Murder. The unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. A story I will share with you this Tuesday. Miranda warning. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. Spoken words of an arresting officer normally when the suspect is given a chance. But in this story, the victim didn't get a chance to be arrested, to explain his side of the story, to have even just a little bit of humanity thrown his way. Instead, he was shot in cold blood by a law enforcement officer before even getting a chance to surrender. It was even caught on camera. This is the murder of Laquan McDonald. Tuesdays with Trisha, episode 13. Welcome again back to Chicago, Illinois. So if you guys happened to catch last week's episode on the Bradley sisters, then you will definitely be familiar with where we are today. And you guys, I cannot simply stress enough how much I love my shy town. If you've never been, I highly suggest a visit. Summer is definitely muggy out there because it's the Midwest, but it is also a really great time to go. And don't be like me. Don't go in March expecting it to be like spring weather like we have in California here. Because most likely in March in Chicago, there will probably still be snow on the ground or it'll be bone chilling cold. Which is still beautiful if you have ever lived in snow, but you know damn well that looks can be deceiving. So one day of snow, fantastic. A whole month of snow and you'll want to crawl into a hole until spring or summer hits. (laughs) Trust me. But the fall, I mean, like anywhere where they have four seasons, is seriously, you guys, my absolute favorite. I love the color-changing leaves. Oh my gosh, there's such a sight to see. The crisp, cool air. Like honestly, you guys, in the Midwest or the East Coast, when they have fall, it's exactly what fall is supposed to be. It's what you imagine. And I live in Cali, so I don't get that a lot, you know? So the reason why I talk about the fall so much is because this story this week takes place on a cool October evening. But first, let's establish. Now, Laquan McDonald was born on September 25th, 1997, to a teenage mother and an absent father. His mother, obviously, at the time, couldn't care for him So it was family members that actually stepped in for the first couple of years of Laquan's life. But by the time Laquan was three years old, he was placed into foster care. 
So it must have been difficult for little Laquan to navigate through life with no family by his side um, and then being thrown in the foster care system. And then it was also said that Laquan did have some learning disabilities along with some mental health issues. So by the time Laquan was 17 years old, he was an official ward of the state of Chicago or the state of Illinois. And it had by that time racked up, it looks like what we want to call like a significant juvenile record. So, you know, along with being in the system, I guess, as we call it, you know, these young kids are introduced to different types of lifestyles that your normal, you know, kid that was growing up with a mom and a dad or even in a more stable environment wouldn't really have to come along So I'm sure he was introduced to all different types of people and scenarios, and it is said that Laquan was no stranger to the drug scene, even at the younger age that he was. But you know, even with all of what was going on and his life distractions, Laquan actually was managing school at the time, and he was an A and B student, and he worked in a youth program um, after school that actually paid him. And it looks like it was something close to like eleven hundred dollars a month that he was you know, earning at 17. So that's definitely a good amount of money for a kid to start to save or even to be able to provide himself in a way or to buy those extra things that, you know, maybe he didn't get from his parents that most kids would. A lot of teachers described Laquan as very respectful yet reserved and also noted that he wasn't ever really the aggressive type of kid. Now, I'm going to talk about one other person in this story who is Officer Jason Van Dyke. Now, Officer Van Dyke was born in 1978 in Hinesdale, Illinois. It looks like he graduated from Hinesdale High School and attended it attended St. Xavier University in Chicago for criminal justice. So it looks like at the time of this incident that he was a 14-year-old veteran in the Chicago Police Department. So he was definitely earning some bucks there, up up to about $80,000, which, you know, I don't really know why it was relevant that Google throws these numbers in, but it did, so... (laughs) There you go. A fun fact for you. Um, He also had a wife and two kids. uh, And it was said at the time that when he was in the Chicago Police Department from like 2001, he had about 20 citizen complaints under his record. um, But none of them resulted in any sort of disciplinary action. And from what I've read, the only thing that really is on his record was that a man was awarded $350,000 after it was found that Officer Van Dyke used excessive force on him at a traffic stop. So that would be like the updated record of what he has today. Or not today, if what he had um, then up leading to the incident that we're going to talk about now. So on October 20th, 2014, 
Chicago Police Department were notified around 10 p.m. of a disturbance near 41st and Pulaski Road. A report comes comes in that an African-American man who is armed with a knife is breaking into vehicles at a trucking yard. Officers arrive on scene to find 17-year-old Laquan McDonald with a three-inch knife in his hand, and he's acting erratically. The officers try several times to get Laquan to respond to their commands. At this point, Laquan doesn't respond and instead attempts to use a knife to slash the tires of law enforcement vehicles. Now, this is as reported. The officers realize that he is actually becoming intolerant to their commands, and then that's when law enforcement actually request for a taser backup. This would also be a good time to note for you guys that there are already on the scene nine officers. So that's probably like maybe six different cop cars or four different cop cars. So that's when officer Jason Van Dyke and his partner, Joseph Walsh, arrive on the scene. Officer Van Dyke then exits his vehicle and without any command or a prompt from any of the other officers, Officer Van Dyke fires his gun on Laquan and shoots him in the back. Laquan at this time is actually in the middle of the street walking away from officers as he is shot. He falls to the ground from the first shot and then that's when Officer Van Dyke repeatedly shoots Laquan 15 more times. After his gun had emptied, Officer Van Dyke actually attempts to reload his gun and shoot some more when an officer standing nearby realizes like what he's doing and like points out to Officer Van Dyke that the suspect is already down. There's no need to take any more action. Laquan was immediately taken to Mount Sinai Hospital where he was ultimately pronounced dead. Again, you guys, nine officers on the scene before this did not shoot or attempt to shoot Laquan before Officer Van Dyke did. At no point did anyone give a command to fire upon the suspect. This was all in action taken by Officer Van Dyke himself. Now, I do need my listeners to know that the way I told you the story wasn't exactly the way that this this story unfolded in the media. At first, it was said that Laquan had actually lunged at Officer Van Dyke, resulting in Officer Van Dyke taking action. So the reports were written and submitted supporting this chain of events, and Officer Van Dyke was not arrested at all or suspended from his job. Not one statement was said about how this was unlawful or wrong for what Officer Van Dyke had did. But obviously, you know, you guys, there is a chain of command involved in events such as these. It wasn't like Officer Van Dyke was just getting away with this. Um, there is a government hierarchy that can be involved. And, you know, when something like this comes uh, into play, a white cop killing a black man, um, a black 17-year-old kid, 
mind you, is basically what I'm trying to say is that we got a cover up here, you guys. We have a bunch of people that saw exactly what it what, for what it was and decided to try and cover up this somehow. So from here on out, as the story unfolds, I'm going to basically explain a chain of events using dates to let you know how this shit basically got blown wide open. You know, because besides the media alone, just in this case, questions start to arise from everyone who had witnessed this. So, and government officials aren't stupid. They're privy to what is going on. And they knew that these questions were going to start to come from all of us. So the first thing notable in the timeline that we need to start with is on April 15th, actually, which is 2015. So this is a good, like, six months after the incident had happened, and it's where Chicago City Council voted 47 to 0 on a $5 million settlement to the Laquan family. So in favor of them to give them this money, basically hush-hush money, as you would call it. But this opens the doors for negotiations to happen in the whole governmental world. And during this time, Mayor Emanuel was actually up for re-election in 2015. So when he got wind of this and his people got wind of this, this was probably obviously something they didn't want to deal with at the time. And it looks we would look horrible on his record to have any sort of this coming from the Chicago Police Department. So it is alleged that he had quite an involvement in helping the police department keep this as low profile as they could. Um, but again, not only dealing with eyewitnesses, what is the one other thing that y'all can think of that police have that somewhat protect us in some way? What, what was installed in police vehicles that made it to where you're like, okay, well, at least this is caught on what? Camera. So what about the dash cam cameras or even the surrounding cameras of the business businesses that happened to catch this October 20th, 2014 incident on camera, right? So a journalist actually by the name of Brandon Smith was also privy to this information. Privy seems to be my choice of word this episode. And on May 26, 2015, he filed a Freedom of Information Act, which requested the Chicago Police Department to release the police, the police dash cam footage to the public demanding that they show us exactly what happened. Because it's like, hey, you know, if you're claiming that Officer Van Dyke did it, you know, and it was justified, then show us the footage. Show us, us, show us what's up. What are you scared of, right? So three extensions later, you guys, the Chicago... Chicago Police Department finally comes out with a statement on August 4th, 2015. 
that states that in response to Brandon's request that they will not release the tapes due to an ongoing investigation. Okay, so what? Now we have an ongoing investigation? Oh, so now you guys decide to tell us that, oh, well, maybe we're going to like take a second look at this. So, of course, immediately Brandon responds with a countersuit on August 5th, 2015. So the day after he countersuits for the videos. And then I think finally a judge gets uh, like a hold of this because on November 19th, 2015, Cook County Judge Franklin Valderrama orders that the police department release the dash cam videos no later than November 25th. So then on November 24th, 2015, Officer Jason Van Dyke is formally charged with first-degree murder against Laquan McDonald. And then hours later, they actually release the dash cam video that clearly shows that Laquan was walking away from the officers when Officer Van Dyke shot him. On November 25th, again, the very next day, 2015, protests began in the loop of Chicago. The city was obviously outraged. And at this point, 2014, you guys, they had a right to be. Chicago is no stranger to the, the, police, the police department doing this type of stuff to them. It is noted that Chicago has over $5 million in lawsuits that resulted in payouts that were filed against the Chicago Police Department alone for misconduct of officers against citizens, most of them which were of minority descent. On November 26, 2015, the city releases four more officers' dash cam videos. And then on November 30th, 2015, Jason Van Dyke is actually bailed out of jail at this time. On December 6, 2015, I'm going to go a little quicker here for you guys so you just kind of get like a quick timeline because obviously this takes a few years. So December 6, 2015, Illinois U.S. Attorney General Lisa Magdion announces that the U.S. Department, uh, U.S. Justice Department will lead an investigation into the Chicago Police Department. So this means that they're going to throw some undercover people in there to investigate, like kind of like how the department runs. On December 16th, 2015, Jason Van Dyke is indicted on six counts of first-degree murder and one count of official misconduct. So I also want to note for um, everyone that the protesters obviously are gathering all throughout this time. Huge things are going on, erupting through in the city and, you know, throughout the U.S., and protesters gather and march from around November 2015 to around March 2016. 
around um, August 30th, 2016, Superintendent Eddie Johnson files administrative charges on five other officers involved in the shooting. So along with Jason Van Dyke were Janet Mondragon, Daphne Sebastian, Ricardo Viramontes, and Sergeant Stephen Franco. And then on December 15th, 2016, the mayor announces the implication of the Task Force Police Accountability Act. So to kind of put it, you know, a little <laughs> more generally, would be hall monitors for police. And I don't mean this as like a dig or anything, but, you know, they got to like basically implement a task force that's like, this is how you're supposed to be as a police officer. So, but then on January 13th, 2017, the Justice, Part the Justice Department releases their actual report and the findings of the actual internal investigation that I told you that the U.S. Attorney General implemented. And so the investigations upon the officers of the department of the Chicago, of the Chicago Police Department. So their findings were that in the culture of the police department, there was excessive violence, especially against minorities. And it was also found that the Chicago Police Department had poor training and also a lack of supervision. So on March 23rd, 2017, added charges to Jason Van Dyke are implemented. 16 counts of aggravated battery. One for each shot fired. Now... It looks like on June 27th, a couple months later in 2017, Chicago Police Department officers David March, Joseph Welsh, and Thomas Gaffney were charged with conspiracy, official misconduct, and obstruction of justice. So the other ones above were like they had administrative charges these ones actually are officially charged with the three things I just described above. And Joseph Walsh was actually Joseph's, it was Jason's partner. And then David March was actually the lead detective that was on the case at the time. And Thomas Gaffney was another officer on the scene. All of their stories and reports that they had submitted at the time of the incident completely counteracted what had actually happened. So this is why I think a lot of this ended up happening for them. On So now we're going to jump to another almost full year and a half later on September 6, 2018. An added bond is actually added to Jason Van Dyke because he ends up doing interviews with the Tribune. So remember people, when you're in trouble, you cannot talk to the press if the, you know, if people end up saying that, you know, there is that law that if you get in 
trouble and you're going through trial and they say you can't talk about it and you end up talking about it, that's a big no-no. And if you're in jail, well, then that's just added money for you. So don't do it. On September 13th, a few days later, on 2018, 12 jurors are actually selected in the case against Jason Van Dyke. And then uh, on September 17th, 2018, the trial actually finally begins. Four counts of murder are actually dropped by the prosecution at this time, and opening statements begin. For anybody who is maybe shocked by the four counts of murder being dropped, don't be. Because you remember when you are going for a murder trial or anything that has to do with a conviction, you want to go with what actually is going to stick. Don't go with rolling the dice. This isn't the lottery. This is somebody's life. This is some justice you're getting for people. So remember, you go for what you know you have. And in this case, case, they didn't have the six counts of murder as they had probably first um, brought out. So this is why they dropped this and then they, they actually throw on the table what they think that jury is going to actually convict. So the prosecution um, rests on September 20th, about four days later after the trial opens up. And then on September 24th, the defense begins their opening statements that, and I just want to throw it out there that Jason Van Dyke's kind of defense in this was that he feared for his life. That's all I'm going to say about that. Then on October 5th, 2018, Jason Van Dyke was found guilty of second-degree murder and then 16 counts of aggravated battery, and then he was found not guilty of misconduct. So on January 17th, 2019, the three officers that we talked about before that were charged in March, Walsh, uh, that were charged March, Walsh, and Gaffney. This day, they're actually acquitted of all charges. I want you to know that March and Walsh actually resigned from their positions, and I guess it is said that Thomas Gaffney is still on the force. I don't know, as of like today in 2020, but in one of the reports that I read, that's what they said. And then on January 18th, 2019, Jason Van Dyke is sentenced to three, I mean, six and three-fourths year in prison. So basically like seven years, you guys, which he'll probably only serve about four. And so his expected release date would be February 2022. I also want to let you all know about Jason Van Dyke that a lot of reports that I have read recently about him is that since he has been in jail, so it's June of 2020, so he since he's been in jail, he has been moved three different times due to violence. It's been a difficult time to put him into general population. 
And he now is in an undisclosed place because they don't want people to know where he's at. So for those of you, obviously, who may be angry at this man, just know that he's definitely getting what he deserves on this. And you know what, guys? Who am I to say that that's what, you know, Jason Van Dyke deserved? That's not right. You know, I mean, it is what it is, you know, but I did read, you know, that it has been difficult for him. So I don't mean to sound insensitive in any way, you know, but that's just what it is. So I do want to point out a lot of the other things that happened after all of this, the outrage that it sparked. Um, there was a threat by a student who actually attended the University of Illinois at Chicago. So on Sunday, November 29th in 2015, Jabrari Dean actually posted an online threat to kill 16 unsuspected white males, one for every shot fired at Laquan McDonald, plus any white police officers that might intervene at the University of Chicago. So obviously the university got a hold of this and they announced the next day that the, the classes would be canceled. And then the same day, the FBI actually arrested Jabari Dean, who was charged with transmitting an interstate commerce communication containing a threat to injure the person of another. So I think the federal prosecutors ended up stating that they actually didn't believe that Jabari Dean was meaning to carry out any sort of attack that he threatened he was just kind of being some cyber bully. Um, and then I guess later the charges were dropped against him. Um, but other reactions later on too, that in November 25th of 2015, Senator Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders, feel the burn, released a statement sending his condolences actually to the Laquan McDonald family and he definitely had a few choice words for the mayor Emmanuel administration and definitely for Chicago PD. Sorry, guys. Tra Chance the Rapper actually referred to the shooting on Saturday Night Live on December 12th, 2015. He would also refer to the shooting again on his second appearance on the show with Kanye West on February 13th in 2016. So those are just a few things that were spoke about in the media. That was via Wikipedia. And again, you know, the Chicago Police Accountability Task Force was implemented. There was a, there was a string of events, you guys, that happened that sparked after this, which is great, you know. But again, you know, when is the real change going to happen? So I do want to give all of my condolences to the Laquan McDonald family 
This is obviously a huge tragedy, and if you haven't heard of the story, I am happy that you heard it now. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and I hope you all take caution and care and remember to look out your look out for your fellow, you know, neighbors and humans that are down by your side. And always remember to challenge things that may not seem right. You know, you watch something in the media and it doesn't seem to make sense to you. It it's probably because it doesn't actually make sense. So challenge your minds, remember to do that. This is why I do this this podcast for you all to remind you to stay aware and stay alert. So I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of Tuesdays with Trisha. If you did and you have and you happen to listen on Apple Podcast and have a chance to give me a five-star review, that would be wonderful. It is free and I'm not asking for any money at any time, but there is available for you to purchase some bonus episodes with me for 99 cents on anchor.fm. So I, again, hope you all enjoyed Tuesdays with Trisha. Till next time, see you next week on Tuesdays with Trisha. Just a little side note for my listeners that I wanted you to all know about. That I may have some strong opinions when it comes to the cases that I cover, but I want everyone to know that I do have a deep love and respect for every sort of aspect that comes to an investigation. This includes the victims, the families, everyone involved, and also including law enforcement. I covered a pretty tough case this week that stretches lots of different sides of stories and all different types of opinions. So I just want all of my listeners to know that I deeply love and respect everything that I do and everything that comes with it. So just remember to do the same with everyone and everything that you encounter. I don't know. That's just me with Tuesdays with Trisha. Love you guys. And don't forget to wash your hands, stay safe, and don't forget to listen to Tuesdays with Trisha.